This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. The Morning Blitz with Rick Corey. Weekdays 6 to 9 a.m. on the Blitz 1170 and streaming at theblitztulsa.com. All right, welcome back. It's 145 here on the Blitz 1170. Welcome in on this Wednesday. My name is Jeremy Poplin. That is Matt Hubbard coming up in the 2 o'clock hour. Dean Rule from the Tulsa World. We will talk a little bedlam. Get the Cowboys perspective tonight on a night in which it's free attendance there in the Lloyd Noble Center. Also, Matt, don't let me forget, uh, I'm going to try to squeeze in a little... Just maybe one or two sentences on why Oklahoma and Texas seem to be so angry at the Big 12 right now due to this schedule. I don't really get it. I was wondering. They still haven't acknowledged it yet. And there's this underlying. There's this underlying thing that a lot of people that cover the Sooners have said out loud about Oklahoma really seems to be a bit angry at the conference for some reason, which I don't get. I I really don't. So we'll do that coming up in the next hour as well. But first, Dr. Christopher Crane joins us from Tulsa Bone Joint, TulsaBoneJoint.com. Check them out right now. What's going on, Dr. Crane? How are you today? I'm good. How are you doing? I'd be better if my quarterback didn't have his arm uh, go down in the first series of the game and then have another quarterback that had a uh, concussion to where my favorite team in the entire world was down to you jinxed them. A, an emergency quarterback <laughs> there in the NFC Championship game. But, you know, tis life in sports, uh, which is kind of where I wanted to start today. Brock Purdy and his injury. Um, listen, this is a time now where... There's going to be multiple reports. Every day it seems like there's something new. Um, but we got word that it was uh, torn ligaments in his elbow. And now we're just kind of waiting for what the next step is in this. But it, it brings up questions because we talk a lot about that injury just in terms of baseball players. Uh, but it's not just baseball players. Football players, virtually uh, a, a lot of different athletes can suffer an injury like this. So let's talk first about, just in general, what the um, UCL injury is in an elbow like that that we saw this weekend in the NFC Championship game. Yeah, the UCL, I mean, if you just look that up, there's a lot of ulnar collateral ligaments. Uh, they use that term in other areas of the arm, but in the elbow, it's got particular popularity uh, primarily because of baseball uh, where pitchers that throw high speeds and and a lot of pitches can stress this enough to injure it over time or to even have an injury where it pops and tears. Uh, And it's extremely difficult to, I mean, it's essentially impossible, put that way, to throw a baseball with a tear like that. So there's been a lot of focus on it from that sport. But as you pointed out, this isn't isolated only to baseball. Uh, it's occasionally torn in football players, though it's, it's a lot less common. Uh, and it's, it's definitely an important ligament on the inside of the elbow, kind of right next to the funny nerve, the funny bone nerve, uh, the ulnar nerve in the elbow. That uh, It really provides a lot of stability, particularly in the part of the throw where you have that arm back and you're accelerating forward 
there's a, ends, up, ends up being a lot of torque on the elbow. Now that's much more true in baseball. It's a very different throw mm-hmm. to throw a baseball than a football, uh, as most people who've ever tried have probably noticed. And so it's a very different throw, and, and football in particular doesn't seem to stress this ligament as much chronically. And so it's, again, much less common for this to be a football injury. So Purdy said after the game, um, because I, this is another thing I don't like about social media are the instant reactions that we get from everyone that thinks they're a medical doctor or anyone that thinks they're an expert in anything. Because um, one of the major complaints I saw, and I even saw from some former football players, is, well, he doesn't look like he's in a lot of pain. This is a championship game. Like, rub some dirt on it, essentially, and get out there. But when you could read his lips on the sideline that said, I can't throw the football, and then afterwards he said, it felt like my arm stretched out, and he said it just shocked all over from my elbow down to my wrist. It was just pain all over. Uh, there was nothing at that point in time, no matter what, that was going to enable him to get out there and actually be able to compete in that moment. But that's what he said it actually felt like. Yeah, and the the problem with, with the proximity to that nerve is that the swelling that you get immediately, the motion that's not normal with the laxity that you've got now with that support being gone, all of that can push on that nerve. All of that can push on the nearby structures and shoot pain, not just in the elbow, but kind of down towards that wrist. And that's, uh, it's not comfortable at all, uh, that acute phase. It, not only can you not just really tough it out because your support's gone, but you can have a little bit of weakness or numbness and tingling in the in the hand and wrist because of that nerve being so close to the injury site. So where we get into what the next step is, and as a Niner fan, trust me, I've read everything so far, um, but the two common approaches that I've heard at least talked about is – He's he goes and gets a second opinion, which is nothing new. He he more than likely should if he has someone that he's comfortable with or the team doctor. But he's hoping to avoid Tommy John surgery. Um, I guess my question is, at what point do you have to get? Does the does the status of that have to be to have Tommy John? What is the other procedure? Because I was just under the assumption that hey, you rupture this, that's the only procedure that you that you do going forward. Well, and that's that's probably more or less a absolute truth for baseball. I okay. mean, if you want to throw a baseball and you don't have that ligament, it, it's a career-ending injury without it, for a high-level athlete. And put it that way. We're we're in a very niche area here. Baseball players are high-level play. That's probably true. For a football player, it's a little murkier. You're still a high-level athlete, and that's still a lot more force on that area of the elbow than the layperson you or me is ever doing. But it's a very different throw as a football player, uh, even just having a football. The number of throws is going to be lower, even in an intense high-level athlete uh, compared to baseball. And the distance that they throw, most commonly, is going to be lower. So the overall stress on that area is not comparable to baseball. And so this does enter a kind of gray zone where you could conceivably consider a route where you let this kind of scar down as best it can. And that probably depends partly how he tore it. And I don't know that. Yeah. But you could let this try to scar down and heal. Now that has a long healing time. Uh, I would expect 20 plus weeks before he could start to reach pre-injury levels. And that's not a guarantee. It might take longer. It might never reach that. Um, but you could try. 
And if, if that's an alternative to surgery that's attractive to you, that, that's certainly an option. And the other option would be to go ahead and try to fix it. And that has its own very lengthy rehab. Um, but it's, it, it's definitely something I think if I were him, I would be getting multiple opinions too. That's a very fair, uh, fair approach to this. Yeah, I think so. And, and the, the other part of that, that I would ask on that is, um, not, not so much in, in terms of if you were, if you were advising him on this, um, but we've seen like the success especially in the modern era that pitchers have had with gaining like velocity after Tommy John. Um, I mean, would it seem like, I know it's a very long process where we're talking about a year, sometimes more than a year if he goes that route, but doesn't that seem at least more practical? I mean, to me anyway, it would feel like, Hey, if if there's questions about the other way to do it, um, we've had pretty good success now with where we're at uh, with, with the Tommy John version of, of, of the procedure. Yeah, I mean, in baseball players where most of the data is sitting, it's it's a ninety plus percent return rate okay. uh, to to the to their level of activity. Now, again, that's not saying anything about time, and it's still a prolonged rehab. Um, and so, I think it's it's definitely a gray zone. Does he go with a surgery that might be unnecessary but kind of has a more predictable outcome, mm-hmm. or does he try a non-operative approach that's a lot less invasive? Let's him try to recover with his body's own healing and then face the chance that it may or may not allow him to return to the level that he wants to be at. At which point does he go ahead and do the surgery then and take more time? And it's, it's tough because you want to make the right decision, but you can't read the crystal ball for the future. Uh, last one that I have on this uh, subject before we go to one other quick item is, I don't know if you watched the actual video of the injury itself or not. Does how much of the throwing motion of the arm, so his arm gets hit right there, the ball comes free, and it's the it's the spring motion forward with his elbow that has a ton of torque on it. Is that more than likely where the actual tear happens on that? Is his, is his follow-through without the football at that point? Uh, it's probably the sudden the suddenness of the impact. I mean, okay. essentially, he's putting energy from his torso, rotating through to deliver the football, uh, and he's trying to put some energy energy into it. And along its way to the elbow, it was unable to continue to transfer it. So all the energy just ends up in the tendon and in the ligaments, and it, it was too much at this point uh, for that UCL. And who knows? I mean, it, maybe it was already a little inflamed or, or something that predisposed it, uh, but maybe not. And maybe just the impact at that exact moment was too much for the ligament, and it led to it there. Last thing is, uh, last week we talked about the high ankle sprain uh, from from Pat Mahomes, and he went on Twitter and gave a, a whole lot of love uh, there to the staff of the uh, Chiefs that that helped him get uh, back into position to be able to play. Um, what is kind of the process now moving forward with a week off for Pat of trying to still nurse the high ankle sprain. Yeah, he was able to be successful out there on it. Probably I wouldn't call it a typical Pat Mahomes type game with him because of the injury, but what does the next week or two weeks look like for him? Is it just constant rehab? Uh, What are the things that they could potentially do to try to help him at least be as close to 100% as possible by the time the Super Bowl gets here? Yeah, I mean, the the rehab is definitely the key. And And like I said, Last week, it kind of is very variable. Everybody proceeds through that at a different rate with high ankle sprains, and it's frustrating how big of a range it can be to recover from one of these. 
And so, I mean, typically things like motion and even strength are the the first things you start to work on in recovery. And I mean, I feel like he's done a pretty good job getting a lot of that back. Uh, but the finer things like the balance, the agility, the, the proprioception or knowing where your foot is without having to look at it, it's that takes longer to get back. And we want to see full return of those so that we don't have a re-injury. We don't have a new you know, rolled ankle or anything else like that. And those risks really stay around and elevated until we get that full rehab from a balance and agility standpoint, too. Dr. Crane, I appreciate the time this afternoon. 918-392-1400 is the number for Tulsa Bone and Joint. Uh, check them out online, tulsaboneandjoint.com. Thanks for the update on uh, Brock Purdy and making a little bit of more sense, at least to me, uh, the 49er fan that still hasn't gotten over their loss uh, from this past weekend. So thank you so much for taking a few moments to come on with us. Sounds great. If you ever pick me for your fantasy football team, I need to know about it in advance. <laughs> oh, see, why you got to you got to just stick the knife in a little bit more as you head out the door. Just That's little, all right. Just a little. That's all right. Just I little, appreciate little, it. Just, it's mostly for me. I just need to know. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate you. Thank you. <laughs> that is Dr. Christopher Gray joining us here on the Blitz 1170 uh, via the hotline here, and he joins us every single Wednesday, courtesy of our good friends at Tulsa Bone and Joint. All right, let's take another timeout, Matt. Guests are coming in hot and heavy. I feel like I'm on Dan's show right now, where it's just guest after guest after guest after guest. When we come back, Dean Rule from the Tulsa World will join us next year on the Blitz 1170. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.